Welcome to the TH March podcast. Throughout 2022, we are celebrating our 135th anniversary. Today, we are joined by Stephen Clements, a Chartered Financial Planner and Fellow of the Personal Finance Society. So Stephen, TH March is known as an industry-leading insurance broker and has a proud and long legacy in history of supporting both jewellery and watch retailers and that industry. But there's actually probably more to the company than you may think. So for example, life insurance. How long have we been arranging life insurance for people? When did we start? Well, Greg, yeah. I mean, we've got records that go back a long, long way. We've been going for 135 years, as you said. But the first record of an individual life policy being arranged by us is actually in 1906. And it's with Scottish Widows, the company that we still arrange life insurance with today, actually. And and it was for what was probably a vast sum of money in those days, but it was for a £400 sum assured. So we would pay out £400 if, if the person had died. And it costs £4, 19 shillings and 8 pence every six months. So, yeah, we've been doing this for quite a long time. There's actually a few records that go back a bit further than that. But those were arrangements for companies rather than for individuals. Brilliant. So how much life insurance should I have in general? That's a, it's a good question. And, and actually, it changes for everybody that I speak to. Um, but in, in days gone by, um, if you're a little bit longer in the tooth like I am, you will remember when interest rates were up to 10%. And then it was very easy. If you wanted to replace an income, if you had died yesterday and your income was you know, 10,000 a year, you would only need to insure yourself for 100,000 pounds because then it would produce an income of ten thousand pounds a year so if you needed to replace an income of thirty thousand a year you needed three hundred thousand pounds sum assured but we live in a world of low interest rates and we have been doing for some time so now if you think about it a million pounds sum assured at current interest rates may only produce an income of fifteen thousand to thirty thousand pounds a year depending on where it's invested so a million pounds some assured used to seem like a huge amount of cover, but these days it isn't that much. So most people accept that their family or their partner, whoever's going to benefit from their life insurance, will actually have to spend the capital over a number of years. So we work it out thinking about those things. How long are they going to need the money for? How long are they going to have to spend it over? What's it going to be used for? So I, I don't want to go on for too long. But if there are some times when you know exactly what you need, you know, you're getting a new mortgage for the first time or you're getting an increase on your mortgage, you may decide you want the mortgage paid off if you had died yesterday. In that case, you would normally insure for the amount of your mortgage over the term of your mortgage. That may, may depend on um, yeah, how much you have. And moving on to thinking about how long should the cover be for? Well, often we will have a mortgage over 25 years. Nowadays, a lot of people are taking out mortgages over 35 years because it reduces the cost. That may determine how long your life insurance or critical illness cover is for. If you're insuring to protect your family, you might want to look at the age of your children. So I'm a proud parent of a seven-year-old, a six-year-old and a four-year-old, forgetting my 32-year-old and my 30-year-old for a minute. So when I'm thinking about life insurance for myself, I may want to have cover for as long as they're going to be in education. So with universities and things, I'm probably going to be looking at maybe a 20 year term so that my youngest gets to age 24 
thinking about the bounce back generation, they may not leave home quite as soon as we may want them to. So yeah, ho hopefully that answers your questions. So what actually is the difference between critical illness cover and income protection? All these words, it gets confusing. What, what's the differences? It is difficult sometimes to get our heads around what cover we need and why we need it. Now with, with life insurance, that's quite easy. It covers, it should be called death insurance really. It pays out when you die. And so if we're comparing life insurance between different providers, it's nice and easy because it's um, a certain cost for a certain amount of cover. When we look at critical illness and income protection, you do have to understand the differences in the cover. So critical illness cover is normally um, arranged with life cover as well, because actually more providers include life cover with their critical illness. So don't be surprised when you're looking at critical illness cover if um, it includes life cover. And what it's designed to do is pay out a lump sum if you suffer with a defined critical illness. Now that's important because different insurers have different illnesses listed in their policy. So you, know, you, you can't just say, oh, I've had a, a little bit of a pain in my chest. That's a heart attack. There is a definition of what a heart attack is. The one thing that worries most of us is actually cancer. Half of us will get cancer in our lifetimes. That's what the stats tell us. Fortunately, most of us won't get it until we're older. But cancer, there are definitions of what cancers are covered. So some skin cancers, which aren't life-threatening, may not be seen as a critical illness. So just to recap, it will pay out a lump sum when you suffer or you're diagnosed with a critical illness as defined in the policy. Now, income protection, on the other hand, is, is actually, from a financial planning perspective, more important than critical illness or life cover, because the chances are, in a working life, you, know, you are more likely to need it than you are critical illness or life cover. And what that does is it pays you an income. And that's really important because it's actually your income that pays your rent, pays your mortgage, pays for the children's swimming lessons, pays for any extra school activities, pays for all your hobbies, whatever it may be. You know, lots of people have pets and sometimes those pets are very expensive. Think of the cost of your pet insurance. You know, think of the cost of your coffees when you go out to uh, a Starbucks or a Costa Coffee, wherever it is at the, the weekend. By the time you've had all these things, this is, this is the money, your income that pays for everything that you do. So actually it should be the first thing you insure. So income protection basically will pay out if you cannot work because of incapacity. Now incapacity means you can't work because either you've suffered a disablement, it could actually be that you've suffered with a mental illness and you can't work because of that. So it, it is really important and it will normally pay you an income um, right the way up to your retirement, if that's the insurance cover that you've taken out. So as a financial planner, I think it's the first thing you should actually have before you have all the other things. Although I accept most people want to arrange life insurance, critical illness insurance first, and then maybe look at income protection. So to give you an example, um, I just had a look this morning on our calculator, which is on our website, by the way, and it's actually really useful. So, so have a look at it. And what that does is actually looks at the chances of, of either dying, suffering a critical illness, or not being able to work with, with a longer term illness. 
So I did this for a couple age 30, and there's actually a 62% chance before retirement age at 68 for a, a 30 year old of not being able to work for two months or more, 62% chance of that happening in the working life. If we then look at um, suffering a critical illness, there's a 29% chance of suffering a critical illness in that same time frame. If we look at life insurance or the chances of death, then it's a 10% chance of dying within that time frame. So they're all important things to cover, but yeah, that you can see why I'm thinking as a financial planner, it's the income protection you should be covering first and then the critical illness, then the life. Obviously, we've all got general costs of, uh, for a living our life and, and expenses and, and, and things naturally keep, keep, keep increasing year on year. So how much you know, do these sort of covers and protection cost on average? Uh, is it affordable? Is it less than you think? Yeah, you're right. With um, with all the prices going up around us, inflation, yeah, we, we know that we're spending more and more money. So in the ideal world, I'd like all of our customers to give us a budget. How much do you want to spend on these things? But actually, it never works that way around. People always say, how much does it cost? And then they make an informed decision as to how to arrange their cover. So, yeah, for, for a lot of people, the first time they look at the costs of life insurance or critical illness is when they, they first get a mortgage um, because it's something that's perceived they have to have. You don't have to have it. But it's not it's not as expensive as you might think. So earlier on, I referenced you know, a million pounds worth of cover. And I'm just making this easy and picking on a 30 year old couple. So both of the couple are 30 years old. And I'm looking at a 25 year term. So let's just say they've got some young children. They want to cover themselves for 25 years. So, yeah, a million pounds worth of cover for each of them. So this is just one of them, I should say, but they could actually have cover each as two different policies would actually only cost about 26, 27 pounds a month for a million pounds worth of cover. So it's not as expensive as people think. So, you know, if you want to think about what £500,000 worth of cover is, well, it's about half of that. You can, all, you can normally pro rata the, the figures. Often I'm asked, should we have a joint policy rather than an individual policy each? So if an individual policy each is £26, £27 each, so you know, £52, £54 per month, then if you have a joint life, first death, policy or first event policy doesn't sound quite so harsh then it will pay out once when the first of you dies now at the moment that would cost 34 35 pounds per month depending on the provider so it's not that much difference in cost but you only get the payout once so often people do have a policy each because it's not that much more expensive to do it now critical illness cover is a lot more expensive than life cover or life insurance, as we call it. So why, why is that? That's because actually there's a much greater risk of you suffering a critical illness. The main illnesses that we worry about are cancer, stroke and, and heart problems. And because it's more likely to pay out, it is more expensive. So rather than looking at a million pounds worth of cover for the same couple, age 30, I've looked at um, £100,000 worth of cover each. And that would actually cost each of the couple, at the moment, depending on the provider, 
But if we look at a guaranteed premium, that means the premium won't change. We're looking about £24 per month. There are some policies which will cover more critical illnesses because the list can get bigger. And therefore, yeah, we might be looking at 27 um, up to £30 per month. So when we think about cover, it's quite common for a couple taking out a mortgage to be advised to, you know, basically you know, £500,000 mortgage, as an example, um, over 25 years. They're given the cost of life insurance of £500,000. They're given the cost of life insurance and critical illness cover for the same amount over the same term. And they go, whoa, can't afford the critical illness cover. I'm just going to have life cover. So what we normally end up recommending when it's right for, for you as the client is we would normally recommend covering the mortgage for life insurance so that the mortgage will be paid off if you die, but then having a much smaller amount of life and critical illness cover or just critical illness cover that would be an individual policy each so that if either of the couple um, suffer a critical illness, yeah, can't afford the full mortgage to be paid out. But actually, if you had a heart attack yesterday, would your first thought be I need to pay the mortgage off or would it would be would it be I need to take a break from work you know um, if you'd been diagnosed with cancer yesterday would your first thought be I need to pay the mortgage off or would it be wow I may only have two years to live I want to do something meaningful in those two years so actually I think a smaller amount of critical illness cover yeah we'd love to have the full mortgage paid off but actually a smaller amount is affordable and will do what you need it to do at the time. So is there anything in particular that anybody would need to think about and prepare before speaking to somebody like yourself? Or could they just make an initial inquiry and sort of begin from that? One of the first things I'm going to be asking you, if you're employed, is what cover do you get at work? Now, I'd like to think that everybody knows whether they have death in service. Now, death in service is where your employer has a policy that will pay out a lump sum. It's usually two times or four times your salary if you died yesterday. You don't have to be put in a wheelbarrow and wheeled into the office. But if you die while you work for that employer, that will pay out. Um, for, for a single person, that death in service actually might be enough to pay the mortgage off. You might not need to have separate life insurance. So it's important that we know about these things. Um, but I'll also be asking you to find out how long you'll be paid for if you can't work. Most people don't know the answer. They don't know how long they're going to be paid for or how much they're going to be paid. So some people may be in a job where they get six months full pay. They may get six months half pay. After that, a lot of people actually don't get anything more than statutory sick pay. And that's not a lot. Look it up. It doesn't actually pay you much. So I need to know those things so I can talk to you about income protection. Um, yeah, I might want to also know about any existing policies you've got, because if you've got existing policies, you may be able to make use of further assurance options in them. And actually, you, know, you don't need more cover than you need. So I need to know how much you cover you've got and what the terms of it are. I think in addition to that, it's useful for us to know and about your health. Normally, when I first meet someone um, or talk to them on the phone, I'll be asking if they're a smoker or not. If you smoke, the cost of these covers is normally double 
than that of being a non-smoker. But you do have to um, truthfully disclose all the thing, these things. There's no point in having cover saying you're a non-smoker and then they don't pay out because you are a smoker. And there are tests to check if you're a smoker or not. So, yeah, your health is important. I'll probably ask you how tall you are, um, how much you weigh, because people with higher BMIs are more likely to suffer illnesses and things. And I may well ask you about more detailed questions about any pre-existing illnesses or conditions that you have. And that's so that before we arrange cover with an insurer, we can actually talk to the underwriters and check what the cost may be for you as an individual, because it may not be the standard cost. That's how quotes are generated. They're, they're, they're generated assuming that you're a normal person of normal health. But most people have got a little something that may not be quite right. So let us know what those things are and we can take that into account in the advice that we give you. When you sort of start Googling and reading and, and getting your head in, into all these subject areas, Steve, um, we, we, we read a lot of, of trusts. So what are they and are they useful? Can, can I have one? Yeah, trust, trusts can be really important. It goes back to what I was saying before. It's about making sure the right amount of money goes to the right people at the right time. So if you set up a life insurance in your own name and then you had died yesterday, the money, if you haven't written it into a trust, and I'll explain a trust in a minute, will actually go into your estate. Now, if you're a self-employed business person, or you haven't got a will, it, may be, it might be a long time before your estate is available to your family or to your loved ones to, to actually get the money that you've arranged so that they'll be okay. It's kind of locked away until it's, it, it's, it's allowed to be distributed. So what a trust is, is a legal document. And normally I'd be saying to you, you should get this checked out by your solicitor. Often, the conversations I have with people lead them to actually getting a will because they haven't got a will at the moment. So they know they need to have one once they've spoken to me. But it's a legal document that effectively makes sure that the money goes to the right people. So it's outside of your estate. It's not going to be liable to inheritance tax or anything. And it goes to them at the right time when they really, really need it. Now, the life insurance companies, they kindly provide trust wordings which are normally as good as you or I will need if we want our policies written into trust so we will normally provide those to you. Steve this has been great one last thing when when people look online there's a lot of sort of talk around life insurance and then life assurance it can be confusing especially after all the jargon you've already read through what's, what's the difference? Ah, that's always a, a nice question because we do refer to life insurance and life assurance and the terms are kind of interchangeable, really. I think, I think if we looked into it a little bit deeper, then life insurance is an amount of cover that is arranged over a particular term. So if you take out £500,000 worth of cover over a 25-year term, maybe the term of your mortgage, that would be referred to as life insurance. Whereas life assurance is normally referring to what we also call a whole-of-life policy. These aren't appropriate for most people because they're really expensive. This is cover that will pay out when you die, whenever you die. So we don't know when that date will be, but it's a definite, it will pay out at some point in the future. That's why it's a lot more expensive. So that's what life insurance normally refers to. 
Well, thanks for your time today, Steve, and, and chatting to us on our podcast. Where can people begin their, their journey to find out more if, if they wanted to get in contact or, or start to look at sort of pricing for these sort of protection covers? I, I think the thing to do is to make sure you're talking to a, a qualified advisor. Um, hopefully, they're going to be going to the whole of market. They don't only arrange cover with one company. If you come to myself or Kate at TH March, then you know that we're a chartered insurance broker. We had a code, a code of ethics that we um, subscribe to, and we do go to the whole of the market. So we are going to be looking at all the companies. And the, probably the best thing to do, yeah, you can have a look on our website. It will give you some quotes and things if you're the sort of person that likes to do a little bit of homework first. Yeah, the most straightforward way of doing it is to give Kate or myself a ring, and then we'll talk to you and we'll explain all the things that I've covered in this podcast but it will be relevant to you, not just general. And we do give advice. We, we do say, we recommend this is what you should do based on your own circumstances. Brilliant. Thanks very much, Steve.